Welcome to In Search of Wisdom, a podcast by the Perennial Leader Project. In this episode, I'm sharing a conversation on the practice of gratitude with my good friend, Brandon Tumblin, which comes from the Paradoxically Speaking podcast. Throughout the conversation, Brandon and I discuss the difference between gratitude and being grateful, and ultimately, how to avoid taking things for granted. Now, as many of you know, the wisdom or practice of being grateful appears across wisdom traditions and has come up on numerous episodes. Although, it's important to point out that philosophical and spiritual traditions often speak of gratitude in slightly different ways than we do in modern culture. Take this quote, for example, from the Benedictine monk, Brother David Standelrast. I quote, you think this is just another day in your life. It's not just another day. It's the one day. It's the one day that is given to you today. It's a gift. It's the only gift you have right now. And the only appropriate response is gratefulness. End quote. If you'd like to hear more casual conversations like this one and gain access to our daily meditations on the art of living, I encourage you to consider becoming a member of Perennial Meditations on Substack. As many longtime listeners already know, we don't run ads on any of our podcasts. These are made possible by the generous support of our members. And lastly, anyone interested in learning more I'll put a link to a short meditation titled How to Take Nothing for Granted in the show notes. All right, without any further delay, I hope you enjoy this wide-ranging conversation on the practice of gratitude. I actually looked this up not too long ago. Okay, so yeah, so Canadians have Thanksgiving in October because our fall comes earlier. Thanksgiving mm. is like the end of the, like, nice, you know, gardening, farming season kind of thing, I think. So <laughs> good stuff. I like it. Yes. I learned something new. Uh, I mean, I figured there was maybe people obviously up there that, that celebrate it and participate, but I, I didn't know it was uh, like a national thing. Oh, it's we give stuff. thanks up here. We give lots of thanks. Thanksgiving. <laughs> what a yeah, what a great idea! Like whoever came up with that, it's a good good thing. A day of thanks. Why isn't every day Thanksgiving? <laughs> should be. It should be. Yeah. Every day we should give thanks for something. Yeah. I think that's, that's the stuff. key to. Uh, I think that's the key to happiness. The more I think about it, not even meaning, but happiness. I think is like incorporating gratitude in your life. Yeah. The, um, I definitely think so. Uh, yeah. Like I, I, I couldn't agree more. I honestly, I, sometimes I wonder why it's not, I don't know how to put it. It's, um, it's like, we don't quite realize it. 
you know, like as wisdom, you don't necessarily, it, it sounds a bit, uh, I don't know, like when you think of like, yeah, I'm going to pick up a gratitude journal or something. It sounds a bit like, mm -hmm. you know, in the self-help uh, arena type of stuff or maybe not. Uh, I, I think there's a bit of skepticism. But also, I think depending on, you know, that idea of somebody's doing it traditionally, like, you know, they pick up got their little gratitude general and they're looking and then they're identifying like this was good this was not good i'm grateful for this i'm not grateful for that like that seems to be prob problematic in a bit different than you know the philosophical or spiritual approach to it yeah in some sense but i think i think overall i think you know i spoke a little bit on this before but it's like gratitude is the opposite of resentment so uh, it's actually interesting in uh, to go nerdy on Dostoevsky again in uh, the Brothers true. Karamazov. Um, there's a scene where Ivan, one of the main characters, he's like the intellectual. He's kind of like the Sam Harris of the Brothers Karamazov. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. But anyways, he's uh, he's confront he's confronted with the devil, and it's insanity is the idea. But it's also like, is it insanity or is it really the devil? kind of thing. It was one of those weird questions, but but it was interesting because the devil said that gratitude is a gratitude is something that he cannot attain. And um it's not interesting because like the the devil he is unable to have gratitude. And that's why he's so like bitter and resentful and that's why he wants to tear everything down. Because he has no gratitude yeah. for what he has. Yeah, I see it with, um, I get the idea of um, resentment. But I, I've also thought of it as, as the opposite of desire. It's like in these wisdom traditions, like how they're talking about desire of basically some sort of insatiable want all of our little ones. I want this to happen. I don't want this to happen. Um, basically root of root of suffering, which probably comes up in every conversation that we have. Um, but you know, it's like, what's the opposite of wanting? Like you might say there's some sort of, I'm at peace, like I'm content, but then gratefulness seems to go beyond that you know it's like i'm not just content i'm actually you know i'm experiencing joy happiness whatever it may be a, a deeper peace on what i have um but it seems like i've um put some some stuff out of of gratitude basically like from the inside out type of stuff where it's like you know like gratitude which i think dostoevsky talks about is like to live like just the basics like being alive to live to you know whatever it may be there can be um i, I don't remember the quote or even even where it comes from in terms of dostoevsky but it's like just to live and to live <laughs> yeah but I, I, think I think those are very different, like in terms of the gratitude and then just like some sort of gratefulness for life. Yeah, I mean, well, that's sort of the, what would you say, the 
the pinnacle of gratitude, I think. So if you think about what the worst mindset is, it's to be resentful about your very existence. So not not mm-hmm. resentful about the fact that you were rude to me earlier or anything like that, which Josh wasn't, <laughs> by the way, for the listeners. But yeah. the opposite of that, it's like resentful for your very existence, which means mm-hmm. you're resentful for the people that brought you into the world. You're resentful to the people that took care of you when you were a child. You're resentful for the society that gave you a place. So the opposite of that would be gratitude for your very existence. But that, like you said, that's something that I think comes with a lot of enlightenment or after a lot of enlightenment, sort of like the pinnacle of gratitude. But I think you have to know, I don't know, that's where I think some of this stuff gets weird. I think you have to know like what the project is. Like maybe you could call it pinnacle or something like that, but I would just say like that is the project, you know, to be appreciative for what you have. Epicurus has got some some good stuff on um it's interesting how there's like similar ideas in uh you know different traditions and stuff, but maybe somebody writes it in a way that you know is has a bit of clarity to it or something like that but you know there's an epicurus many epicurus quotes of um you know appreciating what you what you have and it's like the idea of that you know what you have now there was a time where it's like you'd only hoped for 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 this you know stuff or situation and all of that because it's like if you don't know what the um like to use your word, like pinnacle of to be grateful for life, you know, the, the everyday small, just nothingness of, of moments. Of course, they're not nothingness, but you know, the, the mundane stuff, it's like, you have to know that if you pick up just like a modern self-help, like gratitude journal, and it's like, you're scanning the world each day for three things that you're grateful for. And most of the time, this is like coming from a receiving, like I'm receiving, um, that, that seems to be probably like, that's a different project to me, you know, Mm -hmm. like you're doing something different than, you know, what Epicurus is, is talking about where it's like appreciating what you have, or, you know, basically training your desires or, or aversions. You could even put it, put it like that, but. I don't know. Is that two different things you think or no? I don't think so, but I, but it is important. I think I agree that there's a distinction. I think it's just a level of depth. Like you can imagine someone that comes into stoicism and they learn the dichotomy of control and then they apply that in their life, but they're completely disconnected from the pro-social element of it. And also even that it's aimed towards virtue, because this is something else that people are shocked about. They learn about the dichotomy of control and then they learn that wait a minute, stoicism is actually about virtue. And it's like, they kind of go hand in hand, but I think it's like, yeah. you can you can practice something and not really understand what you're doing. It's, and you sort of have to do that. That's to get to tie, we, last time we spoke about imposter syndrome a little bit, but we, we kind of, I think, have to do that. We have to be not an actor because it's not a lie, but you know, we have a goal of who we want to be. Let's say someone that's grateful for life. It's like, well, how do we start? It's like, well, let's let's find something that I can be grateful for at this very moment, even if it's superficial things. And 
And you don't even have to make the connection that eventually you're going to be grateful for your life. That's why I think sometimes self-help is a great intro to like the deeper philosophical life, but it's not the end game to me. It's like, that's like you get your feet wet and then you recognize some of the benefits and then you start to actually realize that there's a lot deeper things to get involved in. Yeah. Yeah. I could, I could see that the, um, even the idea of, um, you mentioned like dichotomy of control. The, the thing of getting like a superficial thing, you know, like for, for example, um, I mean, the Stoics are kind of banging on about, that's an indifferent, like, even if you get that, like, remind yourself, <laughs> this is not needed, like, take it easy, you know, it's like, and... Um, you know, I mean, I get your point. There are these, um, you know, things I, I think there's, there's a lot of wisdom of, of some sort of like, not necessarily stepping stone, but you know, where's like the entry point. Um, but I wonder, you know, if you read a self-help type of gratitude journal, you know, if there's anything about that, you know, of, um, even just the thing of like, Hey, what? you know, what's up to you, what's not up to you, or, you know, the idea of, of indifference. Um, because you think of, man, like what would a gratitude journal for, you know, a stoic or a sage look like, like what is in there? Um, you know, would there be anything superficial? Maybe there would be. I think so. I think so. I can yeah. say personally, I, I try and get gratitude out of the coffee I drink in the morning and that, and that's an yeah. indifferent. And the days that I can't drink coffee for whatever reason, I, I got to not be upset about that. That doesn't yeah. dictate the happiness of the rest of my day or, or how I approach the rest of my day. But I can certainly drink that in the morning and just feel grateful that I have coffee and cause I love the taste of it. Yeah. I mean, the caffeine benefits yeah. are there too but for me it's like i just really enjoy the taste of it it's like a beverage that i just really enjoy so yeah i think i think somewhat even though you can do without it it's still yeah you know but but i would think that is uh i mean i would put that in the category that seems to align with like epicurus of you know these simple it's a simple thing it's it's you know it's not something extreme and it's within your control to make the cup of coffee, to appreciate the process of it, to think about, you know, what took place for you to have this, you know, particular cup of coffee where it's like, um, it seems like a lot of times if you can scan things to be grateful for, it's things that are outside of your control. Like yeah. a lot of times, like, you know, something else, which is nothing wrong with that is, you know, to obviously appreciate that. Um, but I'm thinking from the person that has no idea what the dichotomy of control is that differentiating, you know, between what's up to us, what's not up to us. Um, because then, you know, you miss it. If you don't have like that filter to know that's like, well, you know, this isn't under my, cause I can't there be a deeper appreciation for something that is maybe outside of your control that, that comes like, wow, this wasn't within my control and this 
happened, it seems like there could be a deeper maybe appreciation for it with the with the background of you know a bit of wisdom. I think so too. That's kind of where I was leading. Yeah. That's where yeah, yeah, yeah. That was very very well argued because yeah, I was having the same realization that you, as you were having it. It's like I get grateful over people in my life. You know, I get grateful over friends that I have and family. And particularly when I don't know, maybe they do something for me or they or we talk, we have a good talk. And yeah. That's something that is an external. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because you can have deep, deep gratitude for that while also accepting that at the end of the day, if that's gone, you can still flourish. At least that's how the Stoics view it. Yeah. And, and in a sense, I suppose that is that can kind of go to the extreme of life. Like you can have gratitude for life while also as a Stoic recognizing that we're all going to die someday and not be here. Yeah. and. I mean, isn't that a a sweet thing? And that's that's like another example of the connection between gratitude of like, you know, loved ones. Like our time, you know, tomorrow's not guaranteed. Their tomorrow's not guaranteed. You know, this idea that we're impermanent, nothing lasts. Um and like that might be another thing of memento mori that is missing from a gratitude journal. You might pick up a, the instructions of a gratitude journal. It might not have anything in there about the, hey, by the way, <laughs> like we all we all uh, we all die tomorrow's not. And and maybe so. I'm stereotyping a bit, but maybe we need to create our own gratitude journal <laughs> after this. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Maybe we should. <laughs> yeah, because the harsh truths can really, it seems like, can be, a, as we're talking about it here, you know, and this wasn't planned or anything. This is just what popped up in terms of a conversation, but can be a path to a deeper sense of gratitude. Like, you might miss the fact of a loved one just existing and being alive as, as being something to be grateful for. Yeah. And I'll I'll just add too that <laughs> for, for those listeners, they might think this is a podcast episode, but this is literally how all our conversations are. We're <laughs> just like, yeah. hey, how's your day going? Yeah. And then we just get into something crazy like this. But um, yeah, I think absolutely. You can get a lot of gratitude. Like you said, sometimes even more. It's interesting, isn't it? Because if you, let's say you, maybe gratitude only comes from things outside of your control, really. Because like, okay, if you, if you say work hard on something and then you get a bit of success from that, is, is it really grateful or are you more just like, you're not really grateful. I suppose you can't, you can be grateful for the fact that the external conditions allowed that to happen because sometimes you can work hard at something and something happens that's outside of your control that destroys it. But so maybe, maybe you can only really be grateful for things that are not up to you that the cosmos in a sense providence aligned in that particular way i think you could be but i think that also um to me it brings up uh when you think about let me say like wisdom traditions type of stuff the bhagavad gita maybe most famously it's like you got to let go of the outcome like the outcome is not up to you 
Krishna speaking to Arjuna, and it's like, hey, the only thing you have a right to is the work. So in, in like in that example of choosing virtue or choosing to work hard at something, man, you can be grateful for that. Like, stop right there. Um, you really don't even have to be like grateful for, you know, if something happens from that, like a promotion, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with Mm. it, but you know, in terms of the promotion, maybe there was a bit of luck, man. You know, I mean, there's just, I think the 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 better sense of being grateful of you know the the work the actions that was within your control the things that you did and had and had the capacity or have the capacity to do it's like wonderful you know what I mean the the fact that you're breathing yeah I mean there's all these just like miracles like we're breathing our hearts are operating. You know, if if we're able to use our arms and legs, can we see, can we hear? I mean, you can just go through a list of literally probably an infinite number of things to be grateful for. Um, and then it's like, like that promotion or that good thing that happened. It's It's not even needed for happiness. It's not even... You know, I don't know, but now I'm no. getting weird and getting a bit extreme. <laughs> no, no. That's a bit extreme, but. No, I agree. But okay, but this is interesting because I'm not sure, and I mean that, I'm not being smart. I'm not sure if the feeling that you get from maximizing your agency or focusing on the things that are within your control, I'm not sure that's gratitude. I feel yeah. like gratitude is something else because I, I feel like the Stoic said, Something like if you maximize your agency, if you do everything that's that you can within your control towards virtue, they didn't say it like this, but really what they meant was the suffering and pain that is life, you'll be able to deal with that. So that's what they would call flourishing. But they did distinguish that from happiness because it seems to me that and Jordan Peterson talks about this quite a bit. He's like, life is not about happiness. It's about like finding a way of being in which suffering is, is ceases to be relevant in your life. And if you maximize your agency, that's kind of, that's really what the Stoics thought that you would get. It's like, you'd be okay accepting death. You'd be okay accepting pain because all that's with outside of your control. But then when you get things that are outside of your control, that again, it's just luck. It's just chance that they actually work for you, sometimes through a friend or sometimes through sometimes a promotion or anything, then you're, you're sort of grateful that in that particular situation, something that was not up to you smiled upon you, so to speak. Yeah. And that's where it can get weird. Let's, let's get weird with it. Um, let's do it. it. It could just be, that's interesting. You know, because this thing of like, you know, the universe smiled upon me or you know whatever i mean that could be some stuff in like the secret and like manifesting whatever it may be type of type of stuff which i'm not which which i think is uh different than wisdom like that's a different type of thing like to me um 
Where it could just be, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. I think of the, the Stoics of maybe drinking a nice wine, like you could appreciate it. But at the same time, you know, it's like they're reminding themselves like water is nice, you know, as well. It's like, mm-hmm. this is, it's nothing. This is just, um, and I think like some of the, of that other stuff, you know, it could be that same thing. It's just, well, that's, it's interesting. You know, it's just nothing, but I don't know why you couldn't be, um, grateful for, I, I get the idea, but grateful for choosing virtue, you know, it's like, um, well, cause I think cause it's up to you, I think. Well, well, I mean, it is, but <laughs> like how many times have we talked? Like, I mean, we're kind of, we're all murderers. We've been yeah. talking about, you know, it's like there, there could have been many other choices. Right. And I mean, that's a bit fortunate. The fact that, wow, you know, I'm grateful. I could see with a bit of clarity there for that moment and choose to experience a hardship virtuously. You know, I I mean, I think like, sorry, one, one more thing, like Marcus really is some of his kind of writing, like he may not use the word gratitude or being grateful, but it seems like there is, you know, some sort of appreciation. The fact that, uh, like, even as he's talking about dealing with difficult people and he's saying like, you know, he's acknowledging that he's fortunate that he's been able to see the difference between good and evil. Like he's had this lifelong education and stuff like that, you know, and they haven't. And he's kind of appreciating that. And same thing in the beginning, in the opening chapter, he's appreciating the things that he's learned from all of these different people. Just, uh, you know, it's like a thank you to, to life and some of these things. Yeah, for sure. But I think certainly in the start of meditations, he's grateful for externals. Yeah, you're right. So he, here's an interesting, here's what I wanted to ask. And maybe we can go into this just a little bit. But what, like, if I think about what I'm grateful for, I'm pretty sure it's all things that providence or cosmos or fate or life however you want to say it could have taken away from me like i I could have gotten unlucky on the road and completely not have any of the things that i'm grateful for now i that's not to say i wouldn't be flourishing but again this is why i'm trying to i'm trying to figure out how we separate because i don't think it's the same thing i don't think the way that you feel through living say a stoic lifestyle is the same as gratitude. And I'm not saying that you can't have gratitude no matter which which situation you're in, but I feel like I feel like personally I'm only really grateful for things that were not up to me or are not up to me. Like what what are you grateful for if you had to list? Yeah. So that's I think that's a great point. Um one I kind of distinguish gratitude from grateful um, like being grateful as it's like an act of virtue, like you said, um, you know, grateful there. Now, when it comes to choosing 
like virtue, for example. There are many things that are outside of your control, externals per se, for you to be able to do that. Like you had to cognitively, I mean, there are just all sorts of things going on. You had to be alive. I mean, just to, to have a bit of the wisdom. I mean, there's a lot of very fortunate things that have to happen. So there's like everything is kind of an external. If you look at it like that, when it comes to being grateful, it's sometimes it's, um, hard for me to really get past a, a few things. Sometimes I'm just really in awe over just being alive. Like the fact that I can breathe and see and kind of everything is, is working, um, properly to a certain extent is just so like an amazing thing to me and i but i think part of that is because we recognize you recognize and i i recognize the small chances of either of us being here oh yeah so like if you think about the odds of it it's crazy and then you think and again, like th- these are things that are not up to you. You think about being grateful for life in and of itself. You're really being grateful that you were given. It's not something you chose. It's not something you earned. It's not something that was up to you, but that through whatever, luck, chance, divine providence, some God's plan, you're here and you recognize how small the chances are of that happening despite the fact that it's all going to be taken away very soon, you're still grateful for that. And I think it does stem from, it's like this, like God's, God shining his light upon us, you know, something like that. It's like things line up for us sometimes and grateful for that. And I, I think like in comparison, so if you go, if you go that particular route, like those four or five kind of basic things, and then you know, raised here in the West, like, man, like having some sort of freedom. I mean, just all of these things, like then to me, some sort of thing of, uh, you know, chance thing that happens or like some sort of promotion or, you know, like what we would initially kind of call external to me, those are just kind of nothingness in comparison to the the miraculous thing that we're, we're here, you know, alive. Um, and I mean, that's a bit extreme, but it's like, I could just totally care less, you know, of, of that. I mean, you think like if somebody, um, you know, you, you won some sort of contest that you didn't even know you had to like put in for, you know, and you won like a Ferrari, <laughs> just something, you know, it's like, I wouldn't even get in this thing to drive it. Like it would just be ridiculous to me. <laughs> that would just be um just like totally insignificant. Like I don't know like um but I mean to each his own. I'm not saying there's anything I'm not trying to cast any any judgment on people like driving around Ferraris. It's like, you know, that's the desire they have. That's the things that they've chosen to do for to you know to work and do that this and that but like to me, some of those things are, um, even if it's just some sort of fortunate thing, it's just, it's just totally insig- insignificant. Yeah, and it's not not saying that you should be grateful for that, but I think it's a matter of 
I, I, I guess the, the point that I think we both come to is that no matter who you are, no matter where you are, you can be grateful because you have life because you exist. And that's, I know there's some extreme cases where that's not true. Then you talk about some things that you get that might be seen as a, as fortunate, like winning a Ferrari that you're like, yeah, it's a Ferrari, whatever. I don't really care. I'd drive the Ferrari by the way, just, just so we're, <laughs> at least once, at least once. But, um, yeah. but yeah, I mean, I, I would, I would say that it's true for sure. Sometimes you, Sometimes you're quote, quote, given something, but you're like, eh, you know, and then you could, you could always turn that around too, though. You could say, okay, well, I won this Ferrari. Maybe I'm grateful because now I can sell it and donate it to a charity. Like there's lots of, you know, but for, for the gift in and of itself. So you can always take things and change them. But I've just, I've never made that, that kind of shock, that's shocking to me. I never made that connection that, and I don't know if we're still settled on this idea, but that gratitude completely if not usually comes from things that are not up to you well and that's where it gets into a little bit of the, like the view of um free will i think yeah i think we have free will but not as much as we think you know right. we're not quite in you know 100 percent control of you know, whether we just choose virtue and things like that, I don't know, maybe some sort of enlightened person is or some sort of sage, um, you know, but in, in my experience, it's difficult. Like it's difficult to choose the virtuous path to adopt some sort of philosophy of life, even though it's something I want. I mean, I think maybe an example is if you think of somebody that like starts a diet or some sort of exercise routine. It's difficult, like very, very difficult to follow that because it's, you know, do we have 100% complete control over all of our actions? Kind of, but not really, (laughs) you know, I mean, it's just, it's challenging. So in the way of, um, I think any time that we're able to, you know, have a moment or have a day, you know, where we made some some wise decisions and chose virtue over vice it's worth acknowledging and being grateful that you know in that moment you had the capacity to to decide and choose wisely and you might not in the future always you know it's like we're going to veer off the path we're going to make mistakes and you know there's going to be times where we do dumb dumb things per se or unwise things yeah you mean that sometimes because your actions are not completely within your control you can still have gratitude that you ended up choosing virtue in the end sometimes you know or it's and i think like a specific thing you know like if um i don't know i mean i I, i'm thinking of like small moments Hmm. you know of things you know it's like a, a small thing a small um you know conversation like you know this right here i'm grateful for this conversation of course like an external you have to agree but it's in a in a grand scheme like we're each making time to connect chat about whatever we you know comes to mind we're able to see each other just these like some of these basic things 
Um, and to me, this is it's kind of maybe it's not necessarily virtue, but I think it's kind of a wise decision that might lead to you know virtue and you know each of us to maybe think with greater clarity and stuff like that as we navigate the world. Yeah, for sure. And I'm certainly grateful for this as well. And it's also, it also woke me up to the fact that I'm flying home tonight, which I mentioned to you, to see my family, which I haven't seen since last Christmas. And I'm also realizing that I haven't been thinking about that as much as I probably should be. I should be a lot more grateful than that, than, than I have been. So, yeah, it's yeah. so easy to forget. I mean, it's just like time can fly by. It's so easy to miss the the small things that are really huge. I mean, like the amount of gratefulness. There's this guy, um, Brother David Standelrast. It's like this Benedictine monk. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's still alive. He's like 100 years old. But he's got a real popular... Um, video on on youtube on being grateful and it's a lot of the stuff that we've been talking about he says something along the lines like you think this is another day you know but it's like this is you know this is it this is like this this one one day you know Uh, but yeah maybe we can throw it in the in the show notes we've uh talked did we talk last time about how Older people sometimes will say, I think we did, a, some older people will sometimes say that these are the best days of their life. So Maybe so. Bell? I think at some point in time we've uh, talked about we that. Have, well, I was thinking about why that is. And I actually yeah, came, to, I came to the realization, I, I think, and I don't know, but I suspect it's because when they open their eyes in the morning, they're grateful they're alive. They have that extreme that we spoke about where they are grateful for life, period. They wake up, their back's achy. Doesn't matter. I'm alive. Takes them five minutes to get out of bed. Doesn't matter. I'm alive. Another day is granted to me. And then you think, or I think, well, is that philosophy, waking up and first thing in the morning being grateful that you wake up, is that unachievable? For most people, 10, 12, 15, 30, 40, 50, 60. I don't think so. I think we're all capable no, of absolutely. implementing that in our lives, waking up and having the perspective that I woke up this morning. What am I going to do yeah. to be worthy of this? Which is another thing that I think ties in with gratitude. It's like yeah. not only feeling good and being grateful, but also trying to be worthy of the wonderful things that life gives you. Yeah. And I think it's another, like, I think there are many things that are like synonyms of wisdom. It's about a wise perspective. Like if you read, we were talking about happiness earlier, you know, Seneca's on the happy life. It's really all about wisdom, you know, philosophy, like searching for that. Like that's how you get it. That's the thing. And it's just, um, Mm -hmm. there's wise perspectives, to you know see the world life ourselves others and there's unwise perspectives like resentment it's just an unwise perspective 
that leads to suffering. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just, to me, there's no way around it. That's just not a wise perspective to carry around resentment and things like that. In the way of desires and aversions to be, you know, upset and have all of these like longings and cravings for things that you want or things that you don't want to happen. That's just an unwise perspective. And it seems like the, um, the wise perspective just doesn't come naturally. Like it just has to, you know, just like no one, no one without doing anything can get underneath a bench press and bench 315 pounds. Like it's just mm-hmm. not happening. You know, there has to be some sort of training. Like as Seneca talked about, like no one ever becomes wise by chance. Yeah, completely. Like these things have yeah. to be cultivated. And like some of these older people, um, how do you think about some of the, like maybe they've got past some of their own, like neuroticism of maybe I'm not enough, you know, fear, guilt, shame type of stuff. And I think naturally, like as we were talking about, maybe like the desire and aversion, like maybe naturally you come to the realization that you don't need X, Y, and Z, you know, for happiness. It seems like there could be many things that, um, you know, brings a person to that point. Hmm. I don't know. I think the whole I'm not enough thing. It's interesting. eh? I don't know, man. I I feel I had this weird question pop in my head. So sometimes I deal with, uh, you know, like imposter syndrome with things that are well established in my life, not just new things I'm trying, but like I've been in studying or been an engineer for 10 years which is crazy to think about but but I still have like some imposter syndrome on that sometimes I'm like mm. you know am I like what how long is this going to last before it all falls apart and I realize that this was all just luck right and I'm just mm. does that tie in with this idea of I'm not enough and then you think about something like do you really need that? Which is sort of a humbling thought as well. It's like, do you, because you, you zoom out not very far and you realize that like we're all, again, the memento mori thing, we're, we're all going to die someday anyway. And it's an interesting thing because it's, again, we talk about paradoxes quite a bit, but it's sort of a paradox where it's like, it's like, no, you're not, you're, what would you say? Yeah, you're going to die someday, so nothing you do matters. But also, every single thing you do actually matters. And those two yeah. views are true. It's like wrapping your head around that. I don't know, man. I think it's tough. And I think that really ties in with this, I'm not enough and I'm enough. It's like, you're enough and you're not enough. Yeah. It is um it is strange. You know I'm interested in the whole of like how do we see both of those poles like hold these two seemingly contradictory things at the at the same time. Um you know, it's like how do you 
cultivate that. Like I think of the, um, like the person that's 65, like as you were talking about, um, maybe experiencing a bit of peace. I mean, is that what you were saying? They were maybe a bit of, you know, being content, having a bit of, of gratitude for, for living, you think? I'd say the extreme of that. I've heard yeah. elderly people say, these are the best days of my life. Yeah. Like in the midst of aches and pains and yeah. Of old of age. That, that of, come of, with, yeah. of impending death very soon. Yeah. Very soon. Closer you, than they've ever been to death. And yet they still have this perspective that, you know. What do you think that is? If we're thinking of the the idea of I'm not enough, um, like how do you think maybe they, like is that something they have just got beyond? Because they probably have some regrets. You know, it's inevitable to not have a few regrets in life. Um, you know, like how are how did they get there? Like what happens over those decades to, to get to the place, mm-hmm. you know, where these are the absolute best days of my life. Cause we could, we could be there right, right now. Yes. Well, I, I don't think, I don't think it's arbitrary. I think you more or less have to maximize your agency throughout your life to be able to say that. I think, you know, it's I've had this realization uh, in the past week that I think you really do need to be on the road to doing something. I think it's interesting. I think you really need to achieve something, and not necess- It might not even be that it's because you're achieving that, but it's because in order for you to learn a philosophy as a way of life and really realize it and understand it, you got to go through something. So when you're looking at the older person who's looking back on their life, if they was on welfare the whole life and they didn't go to work and they were a terrible parent and they never tried to get better, I don't know if that mode of being is open to you. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't know. I mean, it seems like it would have to be possible regardless you know because um the same thing as as you and i if we're fortunate to live to old age we're going to look back and we're going to have some regrets now maybe those regrets might not be the same as as others like the example you were you were talking about but um if you're able to forgive yourself and try to be in the, in the present moment, you know, like all of these wisdom traditions say, it's like, um, it really depends on whether you carry around all of that from the past. Like we just, Mm -hmm. it's a choice of whether you drag all of that baggage with you. The person that makes all sorts of mistakes. Maybe they have uh, issues with drugs and alcohol and all sorts of stuff. They don't necessarily have to drag that with them. And, um, 
And I, I think some of the wisest people I've had on on my podcast have been people that experienced, you know, addictions with drugs and alcohol and stuff like that. I mean, there is some sort of, um, you know, the suffering that that comes from that and some of those challenges. It, it does seem yeah. to can, maybe not obviously no universal things like for everyone, but it can help cultivate some sort of wise perspective later, later in life. Yeah. So you just made some clarity for me here. I think you're right. We don't need to carry the baggage around. And you said we can choose to let that go. But I think. I knew there was a buck coming. I was almost <laughs> going to say it. <laughs> yeah. But the redemption can only happen if you're willing to update your life and plan in full knowledge of that truth. For example, talking about people that are struggling with addiction. Once they know better, once they have clarity that this is not the road I want to be on, it's not to say you're not going to stumble on the road to get better, but you're going to you're going to have to redeem yourself by aiming up and getting on the road that's going to lead you up. That's what I think redemption is, and I don't mean by a divine God or anything. It's like we aim, we aim up, we aim towards virtue or towards God or whatever you want to say, and we sin, meaning we miss the mark. We miss the mark, but we're still aiming up. But not everyone is aiming up, and that's my point. It's like, are you aiming up or are you completely oblivious and bumbling around, which I think, you know, if you think about people in their younger years, maybe when they're party animals, that's kind of what they're doing. They're not really aiming, I mean, they're sort of aiming down, but but really, they're just kind of bumbling around in purgatory, right? <laughs> but then you have aiming up, you make mistakes along the way, you fall short, but you're still aiming up versus aiming down, which is like focusing on destruction, focusing on resentment, focusing on bitterness. So yeah, I'd say you have the choice. You can let that baggage go, but you also have to allow the truth to redeem you by implementing it and using it in your own life to aim up. Yeah, it seems for some, but it is interesting how unbelievably unique and different we are. If you think of, uh, like we've been talking about, like peace, happiness, and, you know, being grateful, you know, just like living a good life, whatever you would want to call that. Like that is so different, like across the board. And um, you like think for us, like we'll talk about sin and darkness and, you know, like choosing virtue and stuff like that. Yeah. Like not, not everybody is even going to, I mean, because you have to have some sort of system to even determine that. So like there are lots of people that um, it just don't even... It's just not even a thing. There's not even a system that would even categorize something as a as a sin or virtue or you know vice. Um, and then, like the uh, as we were talking about, like Epicurus earlier, 
you know, you think like that's an example of a philosophical school, you know, where it's like pleasure is the only good, you know, withdrawal from society. Don't necessarily like engage in society, like all of these things. And that probably is like a rest. If someone chooses to like, that probably is a recipe, like focus on friendship, focus on, you know, just enjoying your life. I like, I understand much of what they're talking about, except that point of like withdrawing from society a bit. Like yeah, that's where yeah. they kind of like lose me. Um, right. Cause that just seems a bit unethical to me, but then everybody's different. Like in terms of, um, you know, whatever someone's called to, to do, it seems very wise to a certain extent to, focus on like trying to enjoy your life, focus on, you know, cultivating friendships and all of this type of stuff. Because, um, like maybe what the Epicureans are talking about, like there's people that do that now in these, um, monastic type of things, like religious orders, they kind of do withdraw from society and focus on, you know, contemplative practices and things like that and in prayer and like whatever it may be in different um, things. It's not necessarily like what I'm called to do, you know, that what I feel called to do to, to withdraw and, and do that. But, but some are, and then even in like, regardless of that, like, I'm sure, you know, some people that are just not necessarily built in the way of, uh, I don't know how to put it, but like the examined life, maybe. Yeah. You know, there's people that are kind of more naturally built to live and examine life, maybe. And there are, you know, others that are just, uh, just not like we're so unique. It's, uh, (laughs) it's an interesting thing. (laughs) Um, it's kind of funny. It is true, though. Some people aren't really, yeah, really built for the examined life. Um, yeah, it is interesting. I don't know. I think the, you, you kind of changed my mind on something here. The last time we spoke, I I got some, I thought about this quite a bit, but the whole idea of people that go away to, you know, live in a, a temple or something like that, and they're not engaging in society and, or that you mentioned the monk that kind of set himself on fire, right? It's like, I don't know if that particular example is good, and I don't know if all these examples are good, but it does make more sense to me now that there are different roles in society, I think, that can play a valuable role, even if not everyone can be doing it. And I I actually realized this practically. I was like, well, I mean, I was going to say, what if everyone in the world was engineers? Then. Uh, world wouldn't go forward, but I actually think it would. I think the world would be probably fine <laughs> if, if everyone was engineers. But, but you know, there's different, uh, there's different roles in society, right? You, have, you do have doctors and you have engineers, and then you have things like lawyers to protect uh, the rights of civilians and that kind of stuff. And it's like, it's not really the case that every, that just because, I'm not going to say this, just because not everyone can be a lawyer doesn't mean that that job is useless to society or the world. And then I kind of applied that to what we were talking about in terms of going away in in a temple and meditating and finding deep inner peace 
even though you're not really engaging in the world, it's like, well, what are you doing psychologically for the people who are thinking that these people can even exist? It's like this mm. in this phase of enlightenment exists. Maybe it's not there for me, but that exists and that plays a role. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. And but it, it is interesting, like even these people that are in uh monastic communities, like a lot of times they are teachers in some sort of way. Like 90% of the time they're, you know, observing their own mind and, and doing all sorts of stuff. But, you know, they're putting out books or they're translating things. I, I think of even, uh, I brought it up last time, but I, I watched the documentary again on Ram Dass. I think it's Becoming Nobody. You know, where this professor at Harvard, like, finds himself in a spot where he still has all these questions. And he, he goes to, to India and, and meets a, a teacher, like, and now maybe that particular person didn't go out and travel the world, but and you know to spread this particular wisdom. But like Ram Das, the person he taught, like did. So it's like you know, and I had somebody on the podcast that has spent ten years of her life in on silent retreats. I think I mentioned to you, which is, I mean, just so long. But then it's like writing books, and you know. Basically, it was those 10 years were kind of searching for wisdom and now spreading a bit of that that wisdom, you know, in the in the world. So it, it is weird in terms of. Um, I've heard it said it's like, you know, everything belongs, you know, it's like mm. all of these things. It's like, you know, you need everything. I've heard you talk about in terms of the the harmony of. Um, all of these different like imperfect voices, you know, mm. singing at a concert. It's like everything belongs. You, you kind of need it all for there to be beautiful music. But in life, like that's a difficult thing, um, you know, to come to grips with. It's like, you know, everything belongs. That blows my mind that that's true, by the way. In that, terms the of the con concert, yeah. Honestly, man, honestly, it yeah. blows my mind that you could have, you could have a thousand people that if you listen to them individually, you'd like run for the hills, man. You'd, yeah. <laughs> you'd throw out all your records, you'd beat up your CD player, like throw out your iPad, but then you put them all in a room together and they all sing together and it sounds beautiful. Yeah. Like, I don't know what to do with that information. That To me, that's just so unbelievable. It's so, it doesn't even make sense. It's like, how can you have a thousand people that are terrible individually, but they come together and then it's beautiful. Yeah. And it's like, well, what, how, how do we all act in such a way that we do that with the rest of the world? Yeah. Like, what about from the perspective of a grateful perspective where you think of the utopian, you know, society, the thing that's not possible? You know, the thing that the place that just doesn't have the, the disease, the, you know, the evil, you know, being grateful for life, you know, it's just a different thing in, in that, you know, it's like the, um, 
in a strange way, it's like life can be a bit sweeter, potentially, the imperfect nature of it. But that, I mean, that gets a bit weird. I'm not sure I completely understand that, but I, I kind of... Mm. That's deep. Feels really to me deep. that there's something there. Mm. That's going to take some some deeper thought. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> On the old flawed nature of our reality and that being... But let me, let me ask you this, though. In the... Uh, in the documentary, Becoming Nobody, Ram Das is talking about, he goes, meets his guru and basically says, hey, I want to become enlightened. Like, how do I do that? You know, and he says, uh, you know, feed people. Um, and then he, he, you know, he's kind of funny and he's just like, oh, yeah, maybe he just thought I wasn't, you know, serious. It's like, okay, like, you know, how do I become wise or whatever it may be like he puts it puts it another way and you know he says serve people and it's like an interesting thing this idea of um getting beyond ourselves and that's like as we were talking about in initially it's like what is the project you know it's like what what are we actually doing um and it seems to be one of those things of like understanding that. And like, to me that connects with um, like differentiating like gratitude and being grateful. Like gratitude to me has something to do with you, you know, you receiving, you getting, you know, or something not for everyone, but it can, um, you know, where there's this thing of like getting beyond, beyond yourself, you know, grateful for, Maybe something that happens to another person, you know, mm -hmm. of like, you know, how do we become like less of the story? But I, I, um, I was editing a podcast earlier today for uh, one I'm releasing tomorrow with, with Brian Russell, who, you know, and oh, who nice, you've man. had on the podcast and, uh, yeah. And the episode was on the discipline of discernment. And we were talking all about, you know, how in the world do we make decisions and we're at a fork in the road, or, you know, discerning and all this type of stuff. And I wrote a quote here. I got it on this card next to me. And it do says it. Um, something along the lines, when you know you're enough, it's not about you anymore. Mm. And I mean, there seems to be something like true in that when you are at some place where you're content, you don't have these insatiable desires for this to happen or, you know, this to stop happening to you or whatever it may be. There's some sort of peace you're at, you're, you know, you're content. Maybe there's many different words you could use, but it's like, it doesn't necessarily like have to be about you. Like you can focus on instead of like being loved, but you know, to love instead of to quote like the St. Francis prayer that I like, instead of like worrying about whether you're forgiven, but to forgive, you know, it's like something that comes from you going out. You're not necessarily like, you know, so much trying to be a sponge and, you know, receive things, but more of, um, being of service. And I guess like long, long ramble short is, like that connects with um, 
what Ram Dass's guru was saying, like serve. It's, mm -hmm. it's essentially like, yeah, it's not about you. It's like you out. And I think that is like a grateful thing where it's like can come from like the middle of you and it, and it goes out, not necessarily this receiving thing, you know, all about some sort of service maybe. Can you read that quote for me one more time? Yeah. It says, um, when you know you're enough, it's not about you anymore. Right. Right. And then he says something after that about, you know, kind of transcending the ego a little bit type of stuff. Man, that's beautiful. So, yeah. Yeah. I got so many, so many thoughts on this. Um, when you know you're enough, it's not about you anymore. One of the things that I really realized in the last probably about six months or so, I didn't expect this. I knew it's, it's something that probably should have happened, but I didn't expect it to come on as strong as it did. I feel so happy for my friends now when they do well. Yeah. You, you had an opportunity. I won't say it here because you probably wouldn't want me to, but you had an opportunity a few weeks ago and you told me about it. And I, man, I was, I was happier that it happened to you than if it happened to me. Yeah. I get, but, I get that too. Yeah. I, buddy I, I get that. Isn't that crazy? A buddy of mine, uh, as I well, really appreciate he, it. he, uh, no, man, it's like I said, was, would never expect it. I knew as a kid, you know, of course you got to feel good when something good happens to your friends, but there was always this jealousy or this, you know, maybe why is he getting it and I'm not? There's always something like that. But like when you told me that news, I was, I was like, holy shit, man, this is so good. And then very, probably about a month before that, a buddy of mine, he's an Olympic weightlifter, very high level. He got in with one of the best coaches in North America. And man, I was like, holy shit, this is so good. And I was thinking about that. Like, yeah. It's like, if someone is doing the right thing, if someone is a good person, they're on that path and something good happens to them, you just, you got to be happy for them because if you did a similar thing and something good happened to you, that, that's what you would expect, right? But when some, so when someone else, when let's say your ideal or someone that you look up to or someone that you respect, they do something right. And then something good happens as a result of that. Like, why wouldn't you be happy about that? Why wouldn't you be filled with such joy? And then I thought, okay, I never expected to feel this way about me and my friends. Is it possible for me, not right now, but maybe in the future to feel that way about a stranger I meet on the street? They tell me something good happened to them. And I can just feel so much joy from that. And I, I think it's possible. I, I don't have oh. that now. I'm not that enlightened yet. <laughs> but, yeah. but I do think that's within reach. I, I completely do as well. And I'm, and I'm not, um, you know, I'm obviously there either. Um, but like, as you were talking about that, you know, of like someone doing good, like maybe that doesn't even need to be there. Like in terms of someone doing good, maybe someone making a bunch of mistakes and still, you know, something good happening, you know, to them or, or for them, 
You know, let's I, say the idea aiming up. Let's say aiming yeah. up. Yeah. Like the idea of um loving everyone to me I don't think is some sort of unrealistic thing. Like if love is to, you know, will or want the good for people, how in the world could we not love <laughs> like why would we ever want you know the opposite of that for anyone period you know it makes complete sense if we're thinking about love in that way not some sort of you know narrow perspective of some sort of like romantic eros type of love but love in a more you know broad big picture sense yeah we should absolutely like that should be the project that sh- that is completely um within reach and if we're not if we're thinking of someone that we are basically not wanting good things to happen to them then that's like a a sign of where we need to reflect and see what in the world is going on so we can untangle that and change it you know because we should want and love you know, everyone, we should will the good of everyone, want good things, goodwill for all of, and that's, and that's good for, it's, it's good for us, you know, as well. If what's good for the bees, good for the hive, you know, people doing good, the more people that are, are flourishing, the better it is for all of us. Like all boats rise. Right. Well, this, this was some other clarity I had when you talked about serving, because if you think about what you're doing, an act of love for yourself, and I mean that philosophically, I mean in an action in which moves you closer to a state of flourishing. An act of love for yourself is an act of love for the world. Yeah. Because if you can make yourself flourish, you can, you are in a better position to help the world. It's like if you're in a family, and we're all useless sometimes at at some point in our lives. Of course, we're, we're born we're born useless. We're, we're born less than useless. Like we're, we're we're loud, we're crying, we're weeny. People have to take care of us, so we're less than than useless. So, but the the idea is, I don't want to stay like this forever. I want to get to the point where eventually I can stand on my own feet and take care of myself. For you to get there, you have to really love yourself. You have to genuinely believe that you are capable of that, and that you deserve it, and that you have a road to get you there and know and understand what that means. And then once you unlock that, then you can, then you're in a position where, okay, maybe I can take care of my family. Maybe I can take care of my community. Maybe I can take care of my country, the world. Maybe I can offer service like that. So when you're talking about serving the world, I don't think it's a selfish thing to love yourself. I don't think it's a selfish thing to want the best for yourself. I think it's entirely aligned with wanting the best for the world. And with that comes, as you mentioned, a love and desire for your fellow man, because in that cosmopolitan kind of view, that raises all boats. Yeah. The, uh, and it's like with yourself, it needs to be unconditional. Like when you veer off of the path, yes, it has to be an unconditional type of thing. But then again, that implies that it needs to be the same with others. You know, when others veer off the path, like we were talking about when something good happens for someone, you know, it's wonderful, you know, experiencing joy from that. And then the same thing when someone, 
makes mistakes, when someone, you know, just trips and falls, you know, can you, can you be there for them? Of course, like that's what, that's what we would want. And then it's like, obviously serving others in that same way. Like, cause isn't it, isn't it not that like in, in, in a certain like respect, things are really complicated. It's really like difficult, but in some way, like it's not, it's like the idea of like how you want to be treated in certain things. Like, do you want to be, you know, loved unconditionally? Like, of course, you know, cause it's like, especially if you know, you make a bunch of mistakes and you do all these things, like, of course you want a bit of grace, a bit of like flexibility from people in the world. And then it's the same thing. If we think about in terms of serving like others, it's not about us. Like how do we serve people? Well, I can be very forgiving. I can give a lot of grace. I can love unconditionally. Right. You know, it's like not that complicated, but the thing is, um, if we think about, um, what I think is funny is like the uh, Stoics and like the insults where it's like so difficult, you know, if somebody's like insulting you and there's all these people that have to write all of this stuff about how to handle that because we're just so focused on ourselves where like, if it wasn't necessarily about us and we just realized that, Hey, someone that was insulting us and not kind, maybe we could just have a bit of compassion and return a bit of kindness or, not always think it has everything to do with us and realize that, Hey, maybe they're probably going through some things when, you know, hurt people do hurt things or, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe they're not seeing as clearly as they could. Maybe we've done something that has, you know, kicked off this chain of events or something like that. But it's like, if we can think less about ourselves and, you know, maybe like, uh, I think I wrote something cause I heard someone say, that compassion is the answer to every question. Hmm. And I, I've been thinking about that. Like, yeah, like maybe there's some truth in that. Like every question, every situation, like compassion fits in there, you know, cause it's not necessarily about you. If you were thinking about serving the world or feeding people or, you know, doing things that's like compassion in, in action. Like it's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's available. Like it is a, seems to be, could be a wise response to many different, you know, situations. Yeah. And I'd like to tie this into excellence too, though, because I also think that when we're talking about serving the world, it's like, what's the best way you can serve the world? Like to capitalize on whatever strengths you were born with. Yeah. And this is why we need to celebrate excellence. This is why when you got that opportunity, I had to be like, yes, amen, let's freaking go, right? Because you doing your best, you capitalizing on that strength that you had is the best thing that you could possibly do for the world. Hmm. And I, that's, man, that seems to be just so true. And I feel like we're attacking that now. I feel like we're almost, you know, don't make yourself better. Don't go after excellence because, you know, we're not even celebrating excellence. Talk about things like participation trophies now. You know, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, 
Yeah, and maybe that's a good transition to uh, next time we yeah we connect. And um, like it depends in terms of like excellence. I think there could be like I get what completely what you're saying. Um, and like I think of Mother Teresa, like that's a, that's excellence. Hmm. But not everybody would look at that at that way, you know. And right, I but right. I I completely get what you're saying of um. Something I find interesting of of these people that uh, like Young and Viktor Frankl talk about, you know, what is life questioning you? It's like, yeah. and we've spoke before about harmony. Like, you know, where do you best fit into this mix? Where can you, you know, best serve the world? Um, which is so difficult to, because you just don't yeah. know, you know. And that's a bit of like the discernment thing that I was talking about with Brian is like. Yeah, you don't know. You're at these forks in the rows, like you you don't quite know, and that's where we need each other. I, I think mm-hmm. a bit too, because sometimes what we see to be our strengths or our calling, like maybe it is so, maybe it's off, and and who's to say that, like you need to be excellent at something to even go, you know, do it. Like Mother Teresa would talk about, like hey, just feed one person. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, um. So she would maybe downplay a bit of the, you know, strengths and skills that are needed. But there, there is a strength and wisdom and skill even needed to just recognize where you could do good, mm-hmm. you know? Well, I think, and I think also to, to bring it back to what you said about we need people around us, but because reality also has a way of snapping back and letting you know, like if you're on a basketball team and you're like five foot four. The team's probably not going to let you play center. Yeah. <laughs> right? And it's like, that's okay. You could be a great point guard. Maybe you want to be center. Maybe it doesn't matter what you want because what's more important is the success of the team as yeah. a whole. Yeah. And that's um and maybe that's maybe that's a good spot to to wrap it up. Cause it's like that connects with the it's not necessarily like about you, you know, how do you get yeah, that, yeah. make that pivot to, um, <laughs> Pardon you know, the the, pun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. To the greater, greater good. <laughs> right. <laughs> Thank you for listening. I hope you found something useful. If so, I encourage you to put what you heard into practice. If you're interested in more podcasts, meditations, and courses on the art of living, consider checking out our daily newsletter, Perennial Meditations on Substack. Until next time, be wise and be well.